All right, everyone. Before I get started, I just wanted to say that for my mentor, I chose my uncle. And why I chose my uncle is because I have a lot of men in my life that meant a lot to me. But um, he's one that's always stood out. He's always been there for me, no matter what. And I know a lot, a lot of people don't have that influence, but I've been lucky enough to have that influence. And I'm happy to share him with you guys and to share more of my life with you guys as we get started. So get started. This is my uncle, Brandon Cruz. You might hear me referring to him as um, Theo often, because you know, Puerto Rican is what we do, it's how we get down. So <laughs> thank you for doing it with me. Of course. No yeah, question. hopefully it's gonna be a lot of fun. Hopefully it'll be interesting for us. So first things first, one of the things I jotted down about you is that one of the reasons why you're my favorite people is how versus how you are. And that's like with anything. That's like talking about music. If you took even I'm like this too. If you took my phone and your phone, you just hit shuffle. Our phones would go from Biggie, Gwen Stefani, Amy Winehouse. It, it, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, of so that goes for music. That goes with how we dress, even. So I just want to ask you: Is you being so versatile? Is that something you did on purpose, or is that something you've naturally done? Over your life, um, I think it was natural. I don't remember, um, you know, you, you t- thinking about things like music and the way I've dressed at different points in my life. Yeah, a lot of it came from you know the the environment I grew up in. Uh, you know, growing up in the Bronx and maybe just the style of clothes that people wore where I grew up in the projects. And, you know, more of like a hip-hop lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know. But I also had two older brothers that didn't necessarily fit that stereotype of what you think you would see, like, about some kids yeah, in the definitely. projects. Um, so they kind of, like, had this... Uh, they liked the hip-hop. I remember when it first came out uh, way back when, the Sugar Hill Gang was, like, the first thing we heard. And that's uh, the first rap song I ever heard. Uh, but it was, like, they listened to it, but they also had other types of music they listened to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they we called it New Wave at the time. People might call it, I guess, alternative now, like whatever. The it was, like, the Pesh Mode yeah. and YouTube eventually, stuff like that. So I was... Always had the background music, I would say, was hip-hop music because that's just what was around us in our neighborhood. And when it came out in the 80s, it was very popular on the radio. But I also had these other styles of music that I listened to also. Um, On top of that, then I had my dad... Who, you know, who at the time was listening to, like, country music. So it was like, That's you like know... like me right now. <laughs> we'd be in the, like, I don't know how many people in the project were listening to, like, Dwight Yoakam and, like, country music and, you know, Randy Travis. But it's like, I had certain appreciations of certain songs that I heard with that, too. Mm-hmm. And then, just because we have, you know, being Puerto Rican and just having always at all the family parties, always having some type of salsa and merengue, it was like, that was part of what I enjoyed also. So I never just felt like it was okay to limit myself to one kind of music. Um, there were phases in my life where I was like, oh, I'm not really listening to hip-hop music or whatever. But it always kind of came back to that. And even today, I think it still comes back. I'm, you know, I'm 47 years old, and I still want to hear, like, who's the new hip-hop guy? Who's, who's the new rapper that's hot right now? Mm-hmm. You know? But it doesn't stop me from listening also to rock music and alternative music and reggae music and, you know, instrumentals and jazz. And, uh, you know, like, I just... I just, for me, it's like, why limit yourself? You know, yes. why limit yourself? It's, there's just so many good types of music out there. And it's helped me because it's helped me to blend in with different groups of people in my life. 
where maybe like when I went to college and, and I met people that were into rock and I knew a little bit about rock and they were like, oh, you listen to this stuff? I'm like, well, I listen to it, but I know some of that stuff, you know, even the classic rock, you know, The Doors and Jimi Hendrix and all that type of stuff. So, you know, for me, I just always felt it was made me, and maybe you had used the word earlier, that's why I'm using it now, but like versatile or more well-rounded to just see what else is out there other than just, you know, what I had available to me in my neighborhood or available to me in my home. I just always, you know, thought it was cool to expand just beyond that. Uh, you know, like I said, I guess everybody goes through phases where maybe you're doing more of one than the other, but um, I didn't mind also standing out. That was another yeah. thing, you know, like you talked about the way I dressed or the way, you know, clothing and things like that, you know, uh, sneakers, sneakers mm-hmm. always been a big thing in my head, you know, you know that already, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, um, and I guess that's just because I remember being a kid and seeing people wear like those nice new Pumas or Adidas and we couldn't have those. We didn't have the money to get those. You know, my father spent the money instead of sending us to Catholic school, mm-hmm. which brought out a different side in me because most of my friends were public school students and here I was like the Catholic school boy instead. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I saw something different in school than what most of my friends were seeing. You know, so um, I think really, you know, the way I dress and stuff like that also came from that same type of influence, just like what was there that I saw other people in my neighborhood doing, but then also like what my big brothers were doing. And then kind of like just coming up with your own style and saying Mm -hmm. to yourself like, hey, they're going to make fun of me for wearing this today. And it's a true story. For, you know, I was wearing Timberland boots with shorts, right? <laughs> I think I told you this, right? I picked up that style, I, too. I came out in the summertime one time. This is like in the 80s. And I probably didn't even have Timberlands. They were just some yellow construction boots, you know, whatever they were. Mm-hmm. And I just said, I'm going to put these on my, my shorts in the dead of the summer, you know? And I came outside, and I got made fun of. Like, all these guys are like, what the hell are you doing? You're wearing, like, construction boots in the middle of the yeah, summertime. Yeah. And, like, you look stupid. And, uh, and, it, and you're like, you know, I felt bad, but, like, I couldn't make them see that I felt bad. So mm-hmm. I just have to just like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Like, a week later, I swear to God, everybody was rocking construction boots with yep. their shorts. And I was like, wait a minute. You guys all made fun of me for doing that, and now you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like something I share with my kids now. My daughter even knows that story. Because when I tell her to be different, I'm like, don't wait for everybody else to tell you what's cool. If you like it, just do it. If you feel comfortable and you feel as you, just do it. Don't wait for your friends to have to do it first. Be the yeah. first person. Be a leader. And, you know, I guess in some ways I can be a leader in some things. And that was one of them. And it's a funny little story, but mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, no, stuff like that always sticks out with me with you because that's one thing you've always told me to do also. Always just be different. And if someone has something bad to say about it, that's basically a them issue. There's nothing for me to worry about. So, I, I remember... And I always think of you like, I know I brought up clothing right away because it's not I think you're always like the best dressed person wherever we're at. <laughs> that's always like with, like with me and you, that's no matter what. You are the best dressed person wherever we're at. And it's like, I try to not, I, I try to mimic that too. Like I want to be, because of me, because I've seen with you my whole life, just be well dressed as well. So like when we have to do all these teacher observations, like student teaching, the comment I always got was wow, like you're actually dressed nicely. And I was always like, other people aren't doing this. And it's like, maybe because I saw you nah, my whole life. I remember one day we had a, a spring break with the English education department. And I had like a light blue shirt on with like a lavender tie. I had my, sh- my shoes and I had the, the blue laces mm. to match the shoes. Yeah. And my professor, actually Dr. Sokon was the professor of this class. He looked at my shoe- laces like, that's pretty cool. I would never thought of that. I was like, like, but you know what? This is something my uncle would have done. Yeah, so I was like, it's little things like that that you've always done that 
I look good. Yeah, when I look back, I always think back in my life like I always kind of connect to you somehow, somewhere. <laughs> nah, I like yeah. I always like looking looking nice, you know. But it's just um, it's sad that people will take you for how you look and make a judgment, you know, mm-hmm. because. You know, as as I get older, you know, you realize that just because someone the way they're dressed is not really tell you the, the true person. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I just think it's kind of like I feel good dressing like that. You know, Same. and we're wrong, and you do want to impress other people, or actually, I want to. Other people, when I say mm-hmm. like you say I look nice, that makes me feel good. You know, yeah, yeah. but it's like I've learned in life that. That's just something that became a precedent to me as far as I had to set that precedent. If I was going to go to a, a job or if I was going to go somewhere to look to work, I felt like you want to look appropriate so that people want you to be part of their organization. They want you to be there. Um, it shouldn't be the end all say all. You know what I mean? Because just because I look a certain way, I can still be a son of, you know, I can still be a jerk. You know what I mean? I can still mm-hmm. be, you know, a terrible person. Uh, but, you know, people do pay attention to their first impressions of you. And they see that you look good in their eyes or you look well put together. They feel like, hey, this is a person that we want to be part of this organization. Mm-hmm. And even just the way you speak, you know, like when you and I talk, um, or have a conversation about like UFC or like hip hop, we might speak a certain way. But when it comes to doing something like this for school mm-hmm. or when we're getting down on a professional level, we could switch it up and speak yeah. on that intellectual level as well. And, and of mm-hmm. course, it's a fancy term, right? Called code switching. Code switching. Which I learned, you know, later on in life because I didn't even realize that I was already doing that naturally. And Mm -hmm. it came out to me when I was a teacher and my first year teaching because my line with my students, I used to tell them, um, there's going to be times when you're going to know it's Mr. Cruz talking and there's times that you're going to know it's Brandon talking Mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to know the difference as you get to know me. Yep. And um, they did. And, you know, there were times where I was like, just basically I was upset about something or, you know, I was just really breaking something down to them that I was passionate about. And, um, you know, and, and I would say to them, like, who's talking right now? They were like, it's Brandon talking. Like, who's talking now? It's Mr. Mm-hmm. Cruz talking. You know, and then one day one of my students said to me, um, Mr. Cruz, why is it when the principal comes, you sound a little bit different when she's in here? Like, you sound like all proper. And I yeah. said, well, because, you know, that she's my principal and she's the authority here. She's the person that hired me for this job. You know, and I guess maybe I, I didn't even notice that I was doing that. And then I was just told them, I said, you know, I said, well, if I came here the first day for an interview and I was like, yo, what's up, Miss Principal? Like, what's mm-hmm. good? You know, like, you know, things are popping in here. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They would look at me like, wow, do so you like, want this person to be sitting yeah. in front of us? Uh, standing in front of our students every day. So I said, no, I knew it was a professional way of speaking and I had to speak that way in order to, you know, be part of academia, so to say, you know. But I also knew the value of certain times that I had to speak to the kids the way that we spoke to each other if we were back on the block, Mm -hmm. you know, if I was talking to a friend of mine, you know, as opposed to someone professionally. And I found that it worked for me as a teacher. I don't know if it works for everybody, you know, maybe for me it just kind of came naturally. But I wanted them to know that there's a time and place that you can speak a certain way with your friends. But when it comes to living in this world and, you know, getting a job and everything else or dealing with the police, mm-hmm. you know, you have to speak a certain way, you know. And, um, you know, the kids actually, you know, one of them told me a- about a story of- similar to that. They said, yeah, it's true because, you know, one day we were at the park and, you know, the cops were harassing us and they were, you know, and my friend, he started getting loud with them. And he started saying, like, yo, why you always bother me? Ah. And going back and forth with them and they took him in. They arrested him. Yeah. And they were like, you know, we were just like watching, like, what happened? You know, we didn't say anything. And mm-hmm. I said, well, that's the time that you have to understand. Police are confronting you. That's the time that you want to be like, yes, officer, 
Sorry, officer. We're going to leave right now. I'm going to go home. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you got to be humble. You know, you can't just start getting crazy. Like, if you were back on the block with somebody who's confronting you and challenging you, so to say. Mm-hmm. You have to know when to change that code or whatever to speak. What we call code switching. There's a way. There's a time in situations where it's okay to speak that way with your friends, your family, whoever maybe Even colleagues, if you get to a certain level of comfort. You know? But the same token, you have to also understand what it means to be professional in this world. And even those lines are getting blurry now because I feel more and yeah. more I look at like the news or like even ESPN for example like you hear those guys speaking and they're using slang all the time and I'm like mm-hmm. did he even grow up speaking that slang it just sounds so artificial to yeah me. it doesn't sound like, right here he is making I don't know you know probably a good amount of money you know on money. ESPN you know and he's using all these words like from hip hop albums and mm-hmm. I'm looking at this white dude and he's you know it just doesn't sound natural to me because yeah. most white people I grew up with didn't speak like that or that I was around didn't speak like that and we were taught not to speak that way. Mm-hmm. Don't speak like that. Like, you got to, you know, you speak properly. Da, da, da. And I'm like, look at that. This guy's speaking the way I yeah. always spoke as a kid, you know, and I was told not to speak that way. Mm-hmm. But he's on ESPN making all this money. Exactly. So it's like he stayed, like, he stole the way that we speak, and you're doing fine making a, a living off of it. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I have to change the way I speak just to be able to, you know, to, to work in most yeah. places and be accepted, whether it's a school or any other job, you know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Actually, just right off the topic of code switching and learning how to speak right and wrong, I remember I had a story that you you didn't know about it. You weren't really involved in it, but I kind of included you. I remember I was in school, and you know how me and my friends are real, me and my friends are tight, and my best friend, Baki, me and him were like talking, making fun of each other in class, going back and forth, having fun, not nothing bad, but we were disrupting the class. And then the teacher told us to stop, and since I was kind of still in the zone with Baki, I made like a like a joke to her mm. that was like inappropriate that I shouldn't have said. <laughs> I made the joke and she was like, Oh really? She sent me to the principal's office, Miss Hewitt. I was like, oh, and then I just got to the office and I was like, Miss Hewitt, I promise I won't do I will do anything you want me to, just don't tell my parents. And I, I she was like, and she looked at me and she was like, you know, you really seem like he was scared of your parents. Why would you want to tell your parents? I was like, Mainly because I don't want them to tell my uncle. And she was like, and, and she was like, remember, this is when you were, you just finished working for the state. You were actually the principal at the time. So they yeah. knew of you. Uh. So she was, she was like, Mr. Bro, we know, we know Tyler's uncle, right? I was like, Mia, don't even start, please. I was like, <laughs> I would just, I would just like, because we've had these conversations all the time with knowing, knowing when to turn it on and off. Yeah, and I would just like, yeah, please man. don't tell my uncle. I think it was like right after my birthday. So I was like, please don't. He would just tell me how proud he is of me. I was like, please don't tell him <laughs> what I said. I would do anything right now. And yeah, I just always, you were always just a person that I wanted to just impress and be proud. Like you said, I wasn't really looking to, you know me. I'm, if I don't impress you, I'm fine. Mm. I'm very much in my own space that way. But you were one of the few people that I always want to impress. You remember when you lived downstairs and I had a good report card, I always called you right oh, away. Yeah. And I wouldn't even tell my grandparents, even my, my parents that. right away. I was like, I did, and you would be like, I have a friend down here. But like, I, I don't care if they're down there. I, gotta, I just got to show you anyway. So I'm like that. So I was always wondering, do you have any, so I could think of one, but do you have any stories where like you felt like you weren't proud of me at the moment for what I've done and that kind of stick out to you? I don't, I'm trying to think nah. because it's like, man, it's bad. It's like I, I, if I can say it's bad. That's good that I can't. Think a, of yeah, that's actually a very good the thing. Yeah, my, the top of my head that I was like disappointed or something like that mm-hmm. with you, because you know you never been a kid to get in trouble. 
you know, um, and, and when the, I can't say I was disappointed in you, I guess there were times in my in your life that I was upset for you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember like for me, some of the parts that bothered me was like when you got the injuries and in playing football. Oh yeah, because and it wasn't like you, like I said, it's not like you disappointed me because there's nothing you can do about that. But I remember feeling so bad for you and feeling like, damn, like you know, you were so good, you played ball. And like you, it helps you stay in shape. It helps you stay active. It helps you, you know, find a sense of community. Because it's hard when you're in high school sometimes finding that group of friends to like be with, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think athletics is always a good way, you know, to go because at least it gives you something positive to focus on instead of like after school messing around, chasing girls, and doing stupid stuff, which is what I was doing most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> in high school because I didn't really make any sports teams or yeah, anything yeah. like that when I was in high school. But I remember just feeling like that disappointment for you, and like even talking with Vanessa and be like, man. He must feel so terrible that he can't play football right now, and God knows when he's gonna be able to play again, and all that. And then going back, and then you got a second injury. I was like, oh God! Yeah, it's like, and I felt like a jinx because I felt like every time I ever saw you play sports, something went wrong. <laughs> I'll go see you play baseball. You you would never get any hits. <laughs> I That's swear. true. Not that never, but it's like I feel like is he true. not getting hitting because I'm here. It's like. A, you're telling you hitting, mm-hmm. you playing. I feel like you're not getting. I feel like I'm making them nervous or something. Yeah, then I go I see you. Then I go see you at football. Like the first game, I mean, you used to you played fine, you know. But then you got injured. Was a sophomore year? My junior year, junior first year. game, junior year. And then in senior year, I finally go. I hadn't seen you play like, like the whole year. That whole season. Game, they went, you went to the All Star game. All-Star that was the game last game. game. Staten Island, and then we're in the. You know, we're there. Your father's mad. He's ready to get into a fight with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Because some, uh, that's a whole different story. Yeah, someone's talking Because trash, guys are yeah. just saying uh, inappropriate things around us. To be honest with you, in Staten Island, uh, but it's like you know, so it's, it's hard for me to say. I can't think of times that I've really been like disappointed with you. You know, I remember that time you bit Rudy, but I thought that was funny. I bit Rudy. Yeah, you remember that? Tell yeah. that story. That one I don't remember. I believe well, it. What happened with Rudy is like our brother and my brother-in-law, you know, he's been around for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's married to my wife's sister and um, he's always fooling around. You know Rudy. Yeah, yeah. To this day, he's always joking around. But like with the little kids, he'll just like keep fighting with you and playing with you and hitting you and, you know, and pinching and everything else. And, and I didn't even know when it happened. I found out like the next day because uh, my other friend, Jason, goes and, yo, you know that Tyler bit Rudy? I was like, he bit Rudy? He goes, yeah, he, he bit him. Oh, yeah, I did talk to you about it. It's how small you are because you wouldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. I was like, he bit Rudy. He's like, yeah, he bit me. He left a mark on him and everything. I was like, he did? And he was like, look, you know how Rudy is. Rudy kept, you know, playing and standing and shaking yeah, yeah. and messing it around. I was like, well, yeah, you know how Rudy is. Like, mm-hmm. I bet you Rudy kept on tickling him or pinching him or whatever to the point that Tyler felt like he couldn't do anything else. He, and yeah, he bit him. You know? He was like, yeah. He's like, I just want to tell you. I don't think Rudy would tell you. But I'm I'm just letting you know. That might have been. So yeah. I did talk to you. I remember talking to you. I think I might for some reason I remember talking to you was it upstairs or downstairs? I can't remember. And I was like, you know, if that happens again, you let me know. You come and you tell me, you let somebody know what's going on, but you don't have to bite anybody. You shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. You could have really hurt him bad or whatever. Oh, yeah. so it was just funny to me because uh. I know in a way he probably kinda of deserved it because you know he just, <laughs> he just always kept on messing around and he won't stop. You know, but the same token, I was like, all right, dude, this is like, you know, it's not like you're fighting for your life in the street. You got to yeah, fight yeah, somebody. Yeah, like, definitely. You know, this, is, this is Rudy. You're still like, you know, yeah, still he's family. a close friend of ours and like pretty much family already at that time. And it wasn't even like I was disappointed. It was just like, oh, well, you know, just don't do that again. You know, mm-hmm. like I'd rather you come and you let me know what's going on. But I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe by tomorrow I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that time that you did something. I, well, yeah. I, I don't because honestly, you never got into a lot of trouble, you know, as a kid. 
You really didn't. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, not with me. I'm sure you got in trouble with your parents and everything. You know, Parents, so, school, but yeah, not like, with you. Like every other kid did, you know. I remember them telling me, you know, you wound up in the lake in, in Central Park and your teacher wanted to kill you. And, you know, and I was just like, it's funny because when it's not your kid, it's like, well, it's not my problem. That's, yeah. that's, that's Joe and Kim. My, Joe and Kim, his parents will deal with it. Yeah, I yeah. can laugh about it. And I have my own kids and they do stupid things. And I'm like, oh, God, now mm-hmm. I got to deal with it. I can't pass the buck. Yeah. You know, so it's like, honestly, I've been, you know, you surprised me more than anything because I remember there were times where, you know, I mean, you were in school that you didn't like to write. Um, you didn't want to expand on anything and your mother would be going crazy and your father too. Like he'd get these one word answers, like these mm-hmm. one sentence answers. So then when you're like in college and you're talking about, oh yeah, I'm taking up writing and language, English. <laughs> well, like, how does this even fit? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I remember telling you, I wanted you, I was like, one time I was like, you know what, Tyler, you think about teaching and this is like, you must have been, I was you in high school. I, I remember that. Or what it was. I thought you were nuts. And you were like, I don't want to be a teacher. Because I always saw you like as a gym teacher or something. Because you uh-huh. were so involved in like sports and things like that. I said, Tyler would be like a good phys ed teacher, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and, and you were just like, man, I don't want to be a teacher. And yeah. I was just like, eh, all right, whatever. So then like when you finally came years later, like, oh, I think I'm to become a teacher. I was like... You sure? You know, so I'm still not sure. We got to wait, man. We, we have, have to see. wait and see. Technically, you're I don't just, have a. You're not there yet. I don't have a so, teaching job. Yeah, I've only students for for a few weeks, but you know, you're not there yeah. yet. So, and, and you're gonna have your challenges. It's gonna oh, yeah. be challenging. There's gonna be days you're gonna want to cry, man. There's gonna be days that you're gonna be like, God, I'm like, am I having a nervous breakdown? Like, what's going mm-hmm. on? Or maybe it won't. Maybe that's my experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you know what? Not everybody takes things the same. The same way, you know. I know I took certain things hard, but it was more as an administrator than it was a teacher. Mm-hmm. My best times working with schools were as a teacher as opposed to as an administrator. Yeah. You know, yeah, I made more money, but um, it bonded being like, you know, I still missed having my classroom with kids. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like I made more of a you difference having just them than I did working with a whole school. Yeah. And, you know, my wife tells me different. She's like, no, you know, as an administrator, you know, you have an effect on a lot of kids, you mm-hmm. know, which is true, too. Yeah. You know, but it's just like you miss that kind of like that relationship building mm-hmm. with like those 12. I had a special ed teacher, so I only never had. Well, I did team teaching, so I did have more than 12 kids. But most of the time I was just teaching in a self-contained class, like mm-hmm. 12 kids. I think one year I had like 13 kids or something like that. Yeah. You know, they went over by one. But, um, you know, I, that, that I miss. And that's why I think is the most rewarding thing about teaching is, you know, it's not even making people smart or teaching them new things. It's like building relationships with people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and helping them to realize that, that we all have some type of like, um, there's something that we're all good at. You know what I mean? There's something that we all could be an expert at, you mm-hmm. know, it's like. You know, I had a grandfather that basically couldn't write. You know what I mean? But I never for once thought that he was not smart. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like he came from Puerto Rico. He had a fourth grade education. He went to go work on the farm. Like, he didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and then he was cutting down sugarcane in Puerto Rico. So, you know, his education was limited, obviously. But he could cook anything. You know what I mean? Yep. You want him to cook. You know, he, he knew how to do it. He can't write a recipe for you, but he could show you how to do it. You know, I never for once didn't think he was smart. And that's like, as a special ed teacher, that's like was my biggest thing. Like you had kids that just felt like they weren't smart mm-hmm. because they had learning disabilities or they were getting in trouble because of their behavior or whatever it was, you know? And it was like my job to show them, no, no, you're smart. Like yeah. we just got to figure out what it is you're smart at. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like- and sometimes, you know, it's not always, the term is book smart, mm-hmm. you know? Like I might not be the most popular thing, say, in a teaching program, but... Not every person you meet is going to be book smart, is going to be school smart. Some people are going to, you know, you're going to see them in industry and they're just going to be smarter than you. They're going to know things, yeah, but they don't yeah. have degrees that you have. Very and 
it's just like I I, I encountered that like student teaching a few times where I I have I'm with kids I'm like you know what this kid doesn't get it like the writing portion the writing exercise I'm giving them and I wasn't giving hard exercise especially for ninth graders mm. but I was like there's certain students that just weren't getting it mm-hmm. but when you go up to them and you just talk they could just like they they could give you a whole yeah. passage yeah. of their thoughts but for a reason it wasn't being written down on paper yeah, they can't get it down on paper so it was like it's a lot of stuff like that where patience that I've seen a lot, a lot well not not a lot of it but best people like you and um not really grandpa but like grandma like patience is something that I think as us for teachers that we need to Ex, like just maximize as much as possible. So, because yeah. eventually, when students realize that you're patient with them, they're gonna be willing to go all out with you eventually. Mm-hmm. When they feel like you're passionate about them, they're gonna want to go out all out with you eventually. And yeah. then you will make just like certain like magical moments happen inside the classroom. Yeah, the kids, you know, you, like I said, you really. I just think it's we limit too much how people can show or how students can show that they're smart. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it shouldn't just be how you do on a test. It shouldn't just be how you yeah. do on this paper. You know, there should be other ways of measuring. And people have all the other strategies, right? Portfolios, mm-hmm. projects, and things like that. You know, I think it's, it, it's in, but you know, you talked about academics, about differentiation of instruction, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, one of those things is a way to differentiate it, differentiating the product, you know, that, what, that they're going to produce. So, you know, they can do a presentation or they could create a picture, you know, and, and tell you the concept by using the picture as opposed to writing a paper. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess eventually it always will come back to that. I got to write something, you know, but yeah. that, to me, that still limits, you mm-hmm. know, because you have kids that just think that they're not smart because they can't spell. Yeah. This spell check. Mm-hmm. Like, I've encountered like this, that. Absolutely. Computer, yeah. like spell check. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be a good speller to write a good mm-hmm. story. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, you know, at, at one point in, you know, in, in the history of the world, there was nothing to write it down. On. Everything was passed by word of mouth anyway. You exactly. know what I mean? So what, just as things have evolved, like that's the only way to show that you're smart is by able to write like a long-term paper, 20, 25 mm-hmm. pages. Like what, what's enough? You know what I yeah. mean? To show that I'm smart, you mm-hmm. know? So um, I yeah. think it's our job as teachers to, to, to really figure out ways to help the kids to realize that they're smart. Mm-hmm. And come up with a way with them to show everybody that they're smart. Not just the kid that, you know, can do well on a test. Mm-hmm. You know, not the kid that could just write a good sentence or a well-structured paragraph. Yeah. You know, this kid could create something. He could build something. He could fix a car. You know, he could, there's so many ways, that, uh, so many things uh, that is limitless. And I think in education, we just really, really narrow it down to a couple of ways. I mean, even in college, right? I mean, maybe things have changed. No, maybe not, you know, I mean, I guess it depends on the teacher, the professor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some of them will accept certain things and some of them are just very rigid as to like, this is the only way that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, yeah. Like, why? That's exactly, that's the entire point of the course that we're, we're doing this for. Mm. It's, I forgot the, the exact title, but it's basically like teaching English, like project-based learning. So it's basically yeah. going away from the whole essay that's writing. I, even, I should have asked you. What yeah, I actually should have told you. I didn't even think about that. But <laughs> and that's why we're we're doing this. We're gonna turn this to a podcast eventually. Mm. And that's basically the whole purpose is you don't have to just assign just here's your worksheet or here's yeah, your man. you know you have there's so many ways to express yourself, express your knowledge that why should we just limit it to just writing on a piece of paper? You know, we have we have to really find what interests the the, the student. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like even just curriculum in general, it's like it just could be so boring sometimes. It's like, you know, it's like we have to get all this stuff in because the kids got to take a test on it. You know, like that works for some kids, mm-hmm. you know, and some kids just force themselves to do it because they know the only way to do it. And there's a group of kids that is completely left out because they're totally disengaged. Yeah. It's like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. and I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, like what? I'm gonna get grounded, or sometimes their parents aren't even involved in the education, yeah. so it's like not even looking at their report card and caring what the mm-hmm. score is that they got. So they're like, as long as I pass, I'm fine. And some of them are like, well, I didn't pass. Oh well, so I'll drop out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I always tell people, most of the stuff I learned in life, I learned outside of school. Oh yeah. You know, like you retain like a very small percentage of what you ever learned in school. I joke around. I said this actually mm-hmm. the day I was presenting, and I say it all the time to people. I'm like, what a, if I want to look at like things that I learned in school? That I actually use in life, other than like counting and reading, of course, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what classes did I take that I really use every day in life? Driver's Ed, which was an extra, extra class, right? Yeah. Because it was like not even often at my school. Like, yeah. like, Driver's Ed, because I drive almost every day and typing. Mm-hmm. Because yep. I'm typing every day, emails, this, that, or whatever, you know, creating a presentation. It's like, other than that, like, all that math and even a lot of the history and everything else and all those science classes, mm-hmm. you know, I guess if I became, you know, a, a chemist or whatever, I would be using those things more, of course, you know. But it's just like, there's very limited the amount of things you learn in school that you actually use in real life. Like, we got to teach kids to think. Yeah, you know, we gotta teach kids, you know, how to how how like I said before, how to show people that they're smart. We mm-hmm. have to teach them how to how to find what it is that really interests me. You know, because there's kids that you know, I I, I remember having students that would never write a term paper, but when they found something they were really interested in, all of mm-hmm. a sudden they couldn't stop writing. Yeah, or they couldn't stop reading. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, I had these books, you know, I, mean, I have a lot of like pro-African and African-American and black literature and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was giving a book to one of my students, this black kid. And um, I can't remember the name of the book. I wish I could find it. I let him keep it, yeah. you know. But, um, you know, he was hard to engage. He was very in trouble in the streets. He was with the Bloods. Like his brothers were in the Bloods. It was like his mother was like really sickly lady. So she couldn't really look yeah. after him or anything. But he loved me, you know, and I got along with him and uh, very well. And um, I never forget, like, you know, he didn't never had a book to read or anything. I was like, yeah, why don't you read this book? And I bought it from my house. And it was all a book about, you know, pro-African-American history and, you know, um, uh, the civilization, the first man and, like, all this stuff. And it pumped him up that mm-hmm. he literally did not stop reading the book. Even like, I'm doing other classes. I'm teaching math. Yeah. And he still got the book and he's reading. I'm yeah. like, you know what? He's into let it him. that much. Let's let him go. Because the teacher from the previous year was just like, how are you keeping him in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Like, how was he not expelled already? How was he not suspended? Because he was always fighting in my classroom, you know? He was yeah. always, like, it just, I just was able to find something to connect with him on. Mm-hmm. That, you know, put it this way, he was like my bodyguard in that school. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not my bodyguard, but it's like, uh-huh. if, a, if a kid disrespected me, oh yep. my God, he was like, what you said to Mr. Cruz? Mm-hmm. Like, he was on them, you know what I mean? Because he just knew that I, I actually took the time out to try to find something that interested him. Mm-hmm. And once he found something that was knowledge of self, that was like, wow, this is a book that's about me. Not this boring ass social studies book that I got, you know yeah. what I mean? That reduced African American history to like Martin Luther King and slavery, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I get like, so like, mad. Like, that's with all that. it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, you know, he saw something for the first time and I brought it into him and, you know, and, and, and he flourished because of it. Like, don't get me wrong, he went back to getting in trouble the following year, you know? Yeah. He didn't get me anymore. And as I wish, you know, but. 
I think to this day he probably won't forget me. Yeah. I think if anybody asked that kid to this day, God bless him, you know, because I know he was in trouble with the police and everything, you know, mm-hmm. even when he left me, um, you know, um, it, I, I, I could honestly say if anyone asked him what his favorite teacher was, he probably would say me. I give myself That's a pat like that. He yeah. would probably say, Mr. Cruz, I had this little Puerto Rican guy back in 19, you know, mm-hmm. you know whatever it was. Uh, but now that was early 2000s, you know, but, you know, he was like, him, that was my favorite teacher because I, I showed him like, this is something about you. You should take interest. Yeah. You know, I remember kids going like, you know, dark skin, light skin and what's better and this and that. And, and, and really just, just telling them my class, like, you guys know that the first man is from Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, yeah, these are, yeah, these are facts. People really like, don't it's not, know that. This is not in our textbook, mm-hmm. but I'm going to bring you something. Yeah. And I'm going to show you other books that show this. And they were just like... Joe is dropping, like they were like, you know, and, and the kid that they were calling African because he was darker skinned, so to say, mm-hmm. you know, than the other ones, all of a sudden he was proud. He was yeah. like, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, be proud of that. Exactly. You know, like, and, and it's just, you know, and, and, and all those, those little lessons that I'm talking about that I taught kids, I didn't learn any of that in school. I didn't learn any of that in school. None of it. Like, I, yeah, learned, that, I, always, I, I learned that on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I always get frustrated. I brought this up in other classes that when we talk about... Like, first of all, everyone wants to save their lessons for about African-American agriculture for February. Yeah. It's like they do it from February 1st to the 28th. They stop. That's it. And I was always like... And they also always start with when Africans were enslaved in America... And then they stop when Martin Luther King got killed. Yeah. And that's it. Like, there was I'm the like, actual beginning and end. Yeah, I'm like, I know that's a long period in history. I get it. But you think about history, it's really not that long. That's very, very small. Africa was the great, was the most prosperous continent way before all that. That yeah. actually only happened because Africa was so prosperous. Yeah. And they found, and the Europeans found a way, like, we might have to... Break them down a little bit. Yeah. So, like, I, I always get... still finding ways to do it. Exactly. They haven't stopped. <laughs> and exactly. So, why do they always start at the worst and they stop when Martin Luther King is killed? It's like, we, there's still so many things going on. It's like, how... It's like, I always... It's like, I want to be that teacher that brings it in. I know I'm an English, I'm English teacher, so I don't want to bring too much history in the class. I'm a, it's a... You don't want to throw it all for I start speaking actual truths and the history mm-hmm. teacher like, listen, that's not in the region. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're throwing everybody off now. But it's like, you know, I always thought that was wrong how we could just literally get away with not telling the whole truth or telling a portion of the truth that we like. Well, the thing is, like, too, it makes you wonder how many of the teachers actually know it themselves. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I would bet that there's a number that don't know at all. And I bet, also bet there's a, a number that do know, but would never mention it. Mm-hmm. Cause now it makes me look weaker. There goes that white supremacy. Like it makes me look weaker because if I'm saying civilization started here, the first yeah. doctors, the first philosophers, the first astrologers, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The first colleges. They call it the mystery schools in ancient Egypt. And then, mm-hmm. the, and then they also want to take black out of Egypt. That's the other thing that always kills me. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, like there were no black people in Egypt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you know, what history shows you is that even what we know was more modern Egypt really mm-hmm. evolved in southern area coming from the Sudan and coming up. They mm-hmm. learned further down there and they took from those teachers and brought up to where they were. Mm-hmm. And even at that point in history, Egypt itself 
Wilbur Black Pharaohs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like that stuff gets left out though. And you see it was like that stuff gets left out. Like no, yeah. it didn't happen. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just depends on what books you're reading. Mm-hmm. Or you could tell like when they have like those statues of the pharaohs and everything. And then when you have people like break, like really look into it, such so you're like, you know what? These lips, these noses, these eyes, these are actually newer. These these rocks are younger than the rocks that are in the rest of the face. Whoa! How, or or, or, or some rocks don't even have those features anymore. They're, 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 you can tell they were broken they, off. Yeah, they just all they like just <laughs> happen to be the nose and all of these like yeah. Like, you know, and I know some people will hear those things and they just will never accept. It's, it. it's like a, a conspiracy. They'll never accept it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like that's why like I I sit down with my kids every day. I say every day, but often, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have this conversation. And my son is still not there 100% yet. My daughter gets a little bit more. And I talk about being Puerto Rican. And I talk about, you know, specifically, you know, Latinos from the Caribbean. And that we have a distinct three cultures within us. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the pictures right you there. You have those posters right everywhere, there. yeah. You know, and that, that, that picture has built me forever. And I teach my kids that. And I didn't know that at their age. You know, I didn't realize that, wait a minute, that we're a mix of three different races. You know, we're races, you want to call it race, whatever, mm-hmm. cultures, ethnicities. You know, um, you know, the Tainos were already in the island, on the island of Puerto Rico, just like they were Native Americans all over America, right? Mm-hmm. They were living there peacefully by themselves. Then the white man came, Europeans came, okay? And we all know how that story ended up, right? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, they came, yep. they exploited, they took advantage. After they were taken in, they were taken care of. You know, mm-hmm. and, and then they said they wanted exploiting and becoming greedy and then enslaving the people that took them in and helped them. Yep. You know, and then, of course, they're doing whatever they wanted with our woman, with the Taino woman, mm-hmm. and then having mixed race kids, right? You mm-hmm. have partially white and partially Tainos. And then Tainos started to die off. So they needed a labor force. So mm-hmm. they started bringing in slaves. And then, ironically, on um, like Spain, they were, they were like, you know, we're being a little bit too harsh on yeah. them. We, have to, we should stop enslaving the Tainos. And then, else. and then, exactly, there's your place with somebody else. Crazy. And it's like... But, like, like, like you justified it. Like, yeah. Like, and it's oh, like... Okay, we're really humane. Instead, we'll bring these, the, the black people from Africa. Like, yeah. Like, so, like, I teach my kids that, you know, because I didn't really... I understood. I, I kind of knew it. Your dad remember telling me that. You know, we got black in our family. Like, it's like when we were little. Mm-hmm. I would mean, he probably was in high school. I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. And I got, and then he, like, he, it clicked to me. He was like, well, you know, Papa, our, my grandfather, your great-grandfather, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you never realized, like, his hair and how his cousins in Puerto Rico when we visited them and they were darker. And I was like, yeah, because like, I guess as a yeah. kid, it didn't even click to me that I have black cousins. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. like weird. It was like- They were just your like, cousins. It was like, just yeah. my cousins. You know yeah. what I mean? And I was like, I thought it was cool though, because like in mm-hmm. my projects, I always felt like the black dudes were the coolest dudes. They're the ones that always had the, yeah. the newest styles or whatever. It was always the black dudes mm-hmm. that I grew up around. So I thought it was cool. I was happy. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. so I got some, some type of black in my, my system, yeah. you know, from way back. I didn't even know that, mm-hmm. you know. But I teach that to my kids now, you know, because I want them to growing up knowing that. I don't want it to have to be something that they learn from somebody else. And yeah. they get a distorted view of it. I want them to be proud of everything that's inside of us, you know. Uh, and, and I want them to grow up. And I want them to be able to express this to maybe other people or mm-hmm. their own children. My grandchildren, if they decide they want to have kids one day of their own. Because if we just, you know, right now, we are light-skinned Puerto Ricans. We could very easily blend in with white America in a lot of ways. And, 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 and no one will know anything. 
Mm-hmm. It was like until they saw our last name, yeah. and they'd be like, "Okay, well." But I even if we change that, like you know the, I mean? Tom Cruise's yeah. spelling of it, yeah, you could change the spelling of your name, and people wouldn't uh-huh. even know. You know, it's like I and we could just hide, you know. But I don't want my kids to hide. No, I want them to let people know. Like I know who I am. Like mm-hmm. this is what my father and my mother have been teaching this to me since I was a little kid. Yeah, I have. A, they each, they each have the same picture on the wall that has the mm-hmm. same three faces, the three races. You know. And just so you guys know, what he's talking about it's a picture with a Puerto Rican flag in the background, and on the left side, it's an African man. In the middle, it's a a Taino man, and on the right and on the right side. It's a European man. The Spaniard, conquistador. Yeah. So it's basically, that's, it's showing you the mix, those three mixes, what makes up being Puerto Rican. Not just Puerto Rican, it's actually. Mostly Caribbean. Yeah, all over the Caribbean. And even like in in the South America, you go to Louisiana, they call it Cajun. It's basically the same exact mix. It's It's different European countries and African countries. You know, it's just a mix of those three. And like, I want them to understand that. You know what I mean? And then on top of it, they got to understand there's no hate in this house. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hate somebody because they're white or because they're black or they're Asian or whatever it is. Because if you're doing that, you're hating part of yourself. Yeah. You know? And um, I, 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 my kids are going to be an advantage. You know what I mean? They're going to be an, at an advantage to some of their peers. You mm-hmm. know? And because as they get older and other kids start to realize that, wow, why do little Brand, by this Brandon and Zoe know so much about where their family's from and what's this that's, oh because their parents taught them because mm-hmm. our textbooks aren't going to teach them yeah they're not going to learn that in school you know it's like America's all about assimilation they just want you to suck you in suck you in and then you just become one of the rest and why why should I just be one of the, one of the rest don't get me wrong I like being American I like being in America I don't hate I'm not anti-American or anything like that but I like understanding that mm-hmm. I am Latino, I am from Puerto Rico, my family came from there, and this is what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, I could sit in a room with probably like 30 of my classroom, uh, of my high school classmates, and I'll probably tell you like maybe a third of us might, might know or yeah. understand, you know what I mean, where their families. And I'm not even talking about Latino, I'm just talking about black, whatever, you know, white. Mm-hmm. Like, what you t- tell me about Italy. Tell me where your family's from. Yeah. Tell me about Ireland. Do you know where your family's from in Ireland? And some of them be like, No. You know, and yes, it's like, have no I'm, idea. I'm American now. Well, yeah, you're American. That's cool and everything. But like, you know, the only real Americans were the Native Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're an immigrant somewhere. You guys came. You know, don't don't tell me about being anti-immigrant because your grandparents were immigrants. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, like, are you anti your grandparents? Yeah, too? It's, it's like, like, you know, they came from somewhere because mm-hmm. they weren't Native Americans, right? So, yeah. you came from somewhere else in this world. You know, and I think it's, for me, it's important. You know, and for my kids, and I hope that they grow up feeling that same importance. I don't want them to uh, just feel that they got to blend in always, that they have to, you know, I don't want to put too much pressure on them neither because they're still young. But I see how having these conversations with them, my kids will ask me questions about, they'll see something I'm watching on TV and they'll see, like, I was watching something that was had to do with slaves. And they like, they get into it. Yeah. They have questions and they want to know, but why are they acting like that? And where's that person from? And where's the other person from? And what is this? Thing? And it's like, because they know that it's something that I'm passionate about. And it's not even like I had just one. It's just there's been many conversations throughout, mm-hmm. throughout their young little lives that they've had with them already. And I, and I want them to always have that with them. To me, like I always said, knowledge of self, um, knowing where your family from, knowing how you can put yourself in the picture of the big world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just, you know, a little speck here. Like, you know, I, I, I have meaning. Yeah. You know, this is, this is what this and this is what it means to be me, you know. Um, you know, I still haven't taken that ride with them that I know I'm going to take. I'm bringing them. I'm bringing them to my old building, the oh, project yeah. hallway, and I'm going to show them where I grew up. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not to give myself a pat on the back. It's that I want them to understand that we weren't all born being able to live in a house. Mm-hmm. You know where? Yeah, you and that's something. All that's all they know. know. Yeah. <laughs> that's all they know. You know Me too, my, for that matter. Yeah, my son sits here like he's the king of this house. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like you know, I remember being in my projects and like seeing like God knows what. Who took it? I used to like to think that it maybe was dog crap in the steps, but I don't know. Maybe it was a. You're more hoping it was, yeah. You know, it was just like it's like this is how how I lived, mm-hmm. and that was only because. You know, my parents, I used to always wonder when I was younger, like, oh, why they never bought a house? And why they didn't do this? And why they didn't do that? You know? And, well, they chose. They yeah. made a choice. They said, look, we want our kids to get a good education. And they felt that the only time, the only place we we're going to get a good education was by putting us in Catholic school. And paying tuition, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So, instead of a mortgage, they pay tuition. Mm-hmm. You know? And they're doing fine now. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. doing fine now. But it's like... We're they, all happy people. They made yeah. that sacrifice. And they rolled the dice a little bit too. Because God knows I have friends that wound up in the wrong... Just like your father and mm-hmm. your uncle. Like, we all have friends that wound up in jail. Friends that wound up dead. You know, by 18. You know what I mean? It's like... It, it, it wasn't a lot of them. But it was enough of them. Yeah. That any of us could have wound up going that route. Any of us could have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Living in the projects. You know, but it's like, I, I think it's important and it made me who I am today and it made me appreciate what I have, um, you know, in this house. It made me appreciate the family I have because I saw how many of my friends didn't have a dad around or had a dad that was an alcoholic or a mother that wasn't around or a brother that wasn't there for them. You know, it's like just just being the age I am now, I feel like I've learned a lot, but I also know that there's so much that. I still have to learn. Exactly. You know, and go back to education, right? We're lifelong learners, right? Mm-hmm. We should always be learning. Never stop. You know, I think that, you know, the day I die, I want, I'm going to learn a new lesson. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And be like, wow, I'm seeing something different. I'm having a different realization at this moment, you know? And I think that's the way it should be. I just wish I had more time to just read and do things because I get one book and then it's like I have to stop myself from buying more books. I'm like, wait a minute, I got to read these books that's first. Like, yeah, that's me right now. Over here that I want to read. But I always have, you know, like you know that about and I said, and I'm proud of you about that. I know mm-hmm. you always have something that you're reading, you know. You've passed stuff on to me now, you know. Yeah. But a lot of it has been habits that, and once again, I can't even give credit to school for that. That was my dad. Like, mm-hmm. you see him, he's always reading. Yep. Now he got his little books, his Kindle, or whatever the hell he had. My yeah, father always, right there. always reading. And I remember being a kid, and all I wanted to do was be able to read a big book. Like, those big books, like my father was reading, were like 400 pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to be able to read a book like that one day. And now I've read a lot of those books, you know? And I didn't learn that in school. I learned that habit from my dad, you know? Yeah. And like you said before, it's like, you know, it's like, you don't, you know, we're having a conversation about the education classes, stuff like that. It's not to bash education, because I think education can be so much more. Yeah. Than, it, than it is. But there's conversations like this that we're having now and just people being real with themselves and knowing that they're not always doing enough of that they, so they can bring more to their classroom. And it's like, like every, you were talking about the, the way you're talking to your kids. You did that same exact thing with me when I was six years old. I was, I was looking at you something like, what are you even talking about sometimes? But, <laughs> you know, but these are things I just never forget you saying. And just like, and I was like, I'll be in class and I hear my teacher saying something. I'm like, that doesn't really make sense. I don't know why. And I'm like, oh, my uncle told me this. And then Question. my uncle actually proved it to me Question why this it. is the way. Question. And it's like, wow. So, yeah, that's one thing I always say, too. Like you said right now, question it. Question I'll, it. I tell my students, like, is this something that we're reading in this novel or reading this, whatever? Question me. Mm-hmm. It's, not, oh, it's not. It might not make sense. Why not make sense? Because yeah. I was still teaching in Buffalo, as you know. I'm teaching... 
basically black and Hispanic kids in Buffalo, and we were reading Friday Night Fifty One, which was Ray Bradbury, who's just mm-hmm. this white guy from who knows where in America, and they were he was saying things like, "This doesn't make any sense," and I was like, "You know what? Let me break it down for you a little more, so that yeah, yeah maybe you know what like." But also, when you break it down, it makes it easier for them to connect because, yeah, Ray Bradbury may be completely different from who they are, but they're learning more about him now mm-hmm. and learning more about fears. So I was like, all right, maybe. So he's talking about basically um, everyone being scared of World War II because America just dropped these nukes on Japan. Now we're basically all scared and that happened back to us. Mm-hmm. But we could relate that differently to us. Yeah. So that's basically what I was trying to do with them. They were like, oh, like it, it clicked with them. And that basically, yeah, it took a day out of reading. Nah, but, but that's important. Yeah, they were able to learn more just from that one little conversation, that one conversation we had, and then reading chapter eight that yeah. day, you know? Because yeah. for them, it's, it's just going to be chapter eight. That's the, and that's so, like what I say about curriculum. Like, curriculum is like, it's, you're trying to cover all this information by a certain date. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you find something that you can really dig deep with, you feel something like you can't. Like, I gotta move on to the next chapter. Like, I gotta teach them this other concept. You know what I mean? It's the next unit. It's this. It's that. It's the next unit of study. And it's like, if they're really digging deep and into something, then why shouldn't we be allowed to just stay there for a little longer? Mm-hmm. You know? It's like, I had a professor when I was doing my leadership courses, like, for, you know, to be a, a principal and, well, at the, I forget what they call the licenses now, but there's two licenses. One is to be, like, as high as a principal. Mm-hmm. It's like, like the building leader. And the other one is a district leader. So I'm I'm like taking these courses with with oh man I lost my my train of thought. <laughs> oh no, you were talking um, you're talking about how like how curriculums are based. Oh and- yeah, thank you. So this professor he was breaking down like the word curriculum and like what it truly means, you know. And he's like it came from the Latin root was correre, it's like. And a career is like correr in Spanish, like a race, mm-hmm. like running a race. Yeah. And he says, and it's really a circle. You know, and that we look at we look at curriculum as it's just linear. Yeah, from end to you end. You know what I mean? Like it starts here and it ends here, as opposed to like this circle. And with a circle, you could always circle back and go back to something and revisit and revisit and revisit and spend more time. Like it shouldn't be looked at like I gotta get here. Mm-hmm. Like so, what if I don't get there? If I'm here and they're learning so many different concepts and things about themselves, and I could find other ways to weave other things into it that I gotta teach them by staying right here on this topic, then stay there a little bit longer. But they don't allow us to do that. They don't. They don't. They never allow us to do that in school. You know. Mm-hmm. But um. Anyways, that was you know yeah. that's something I learned. Like I said, when I was in um in, in grad school or post grad school. Actually. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No. That's um. That's great. We just had actually little man, my yeah. my little cousin just came down here. But um, yeah, I came down here. <laughs> uh, don't talk uh-huh. too much though. But then yeah, it's like just back to more things that this is. You guys are just hearing basically just a glimpse of what I grew up around, and I hope you guys with this conversation see why he's such a mentor to me, why he's so important to me, and a lot of things that I do. Even getting to teaching is really based around what he's done and <laughs> just little just little things that he was the first one pointed out to me. When I well, he guys get like alluded to it, I went into more myself, but even our middle name, Anthony, that every single male in our family has. Anthony, that's named after Saint Anthony. And what was his main job? He was educating other friars and other priests that were coming to the different 
churches he was working at. So I was like, wow, like we. I remember that. Yeah, granted, it's exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what you taught me so much. I was like, I'm pretty sure there's going to be so many things that I remember that you don't remember or that you remember I don't remember. And yeah, it just, it's little things like that and just other things you said to me. Like we have, there's, there's two types of, atten- of attention good attention and bad attention. And you determine that. People can only see what version you put out there. And I've tried. I know I haven't always done my best. I know, especially when I meet new people at first, I'm a little more standoffish. Not like in a bad way. I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm a little more reserved, a little more quiet. And that's just, that just the way I am. But um, I do try to bring that out a little bit more I'm, because I see people like you. You're just, you're just open to everybody. So... And I realized I'm like that more with students than I am as a, like with adults. So like mm-hmm. I was with students, I would just open with them right away, and they were just having fun. I was cracking jokes with them. They're cracking jokes about me, and we we're just having fun. And like I said, it's just little things like that. Like you said, just like always find who you are, mm-hmm. be comfortable who you are, be proud of who you are. Yeah. And you and you can't go wrong. When, if you're happy with who you are, you can't go wrong. Yeah. And and accept that there's always something new to learn, man. Mm-hmm. No matter what, you know. Like I said to you, to the day I die, man, I'm a, I'm gonna be learning something new. And a lot of your things in life, Tyler, you're still figuring them out too. You know what I mean? A, a lot of things, and, and, and that's you know. Look, I'm 27 years older than 20 years older than you. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I'm still telling you, I'm figuring the things out. You know, we're not supposed to have all the answers, you know? Yep. But be proud of yourself. Have knowledge of self. I think that's very, very important. Treat people the way you want to be treated, you know? And, and look for similarities, you know? When someone's going through a struggle, you know, and, and look and say, hey, man, that could be me, you know? Have a sense of empathy. Try to put yourself in their shoes. I mean, sympathy is cool and everything. I mean, you feel sorry for somebody, but really put yourselves in their shoes and say, man, what if I was this kid? What if I'm the one living in that home? What mm-hmm. if I'm the one with that type of support or lack of support, yeah. you know? Like, how would I have been? And you start to realize, you start to be so much more grateful. And I know you are, but we'd be even more grateful for the things that you had around you growing up. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people don't have that. Starting with, you know, a home, a steady home. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, being more grateful. I've always, like you, like you said, I've always been very grateful. And that's why um, you've met so many of my friends. And I, I'm like, you remember like, I have a barbecue at my house this day, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'll call you like, "Can Raymond come?" Because mm. I I realize it's kind of like um, yeah, you, yeah, you know how like in um like when the the first scene, the first Godfather movie, <laughs> where it's saying like Tom Heyman is their brother, <laughs> and she's like he has a different name. He goes, "Well, that's because my older brother brought him in. He really didn't have people, uh. right? so I had friends that they don't always have people that supported mm-hmm. them. I feel that love them, and I did." So I didn't want to. So I was like, I gotta share this with people. Yeah, I have my uncle who's unlimited with knowledge, with love with us. I have my father, my grandfather, and I was like, I gotta. I have my friends that I consider brothers. I gotta share them with, you know, my butter yeah, family. That's, 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 so that's very important. Yeah. Now we're almost at an hour, so I think we'll we'll wrap this up here. We have so much to keep <laughs> talking about, but like I said, I just wanna. Thank you for being you. Thank you nah, for man. helping me grow. Thank you for, you know, being a good father, my little cousins. And like I said, we're gonna keep having these conversations. Of these course. aren't gonna stop. These have always been part of our relationship. And it that goes all the way from more more variety. That goes from our music, from our literature, watching UFC, 
Watching like I know that sounds crazy. You watch we read a book and watch UFC at the same time. Yep. That sounds crazy, but that is the way we are, and that's how we get along. And I just hope that I could keep passing down what you taught me to other you younger people, older people that I meet in the future. You will, man. Love you. I'm proud too. of you. Keep the good work, yep. and you always know. Whoever I can help you, just give me a call. Same. All right, everybody. Thank you.